Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is the uh, Britflix podcast. We're previewing Fright Fest, and I've got writer. Are we writer director? Um, no, I'm but a lowly director. You are but a lowly director. That's fine. I've got the director of Stalled, Chris James. Hello, Chris. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing very well, sir. So you're down in the New Forest, yeah? Yeah, I, I just live in like a little mud hut. It's, it's all um, it's all very wicker man down here. So yeah, it's uh, that's how it's for me. Yeah, just. Basically, how's, like, how's Bewley these days? I, was, I went there as a child. Uh, <laughs> I've not been there. I, I think I, when you live somewhere, you know, you don't end up going there. So I went to, um, I think I did a shoot in Bewley actually a couple of years back, and that was it. But I didn't really get to see much of it. So, um, no, I couldn't tell you. So, right, your film is stalled. That's one yes. of what we saw, what we're saying. It's one of 10 British films that are yeah. part of the um, Fright Fest bill. And do you want to tell the listener briefly about what your film is? Yes, it's. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm suffering from a mild cold, so I'm going to cough and sputter all over all over you guys here, all over your listenership. Um, so, story is about a uh, maintenance guy. <coughs> excuse me, who um, unwittingly gets stuck in the toilet cubicle whilst a zombie outbreak occurs. Therefore, he spends the entire movie uh, trapped in a toilet cubicle. It's a movie set entirely in a toilet cubicle. Um, that's the pitch. That's the idea. That's the hook. So when you say it's when you say it is set in a toilet cubicle, are you saying along the lines of Ryan Reynolds, buried, buried? Yes. Uh, well, kind of. Yeah, we'd actually already start kicking this idea around when Buried came out, but um, but yeah, it, it's very much uh, it's uh, buried is sort of I suppose just the coffin, uh, <clears throat> and I was quite a fan. I, did, I, you know, I really enjoyed Buried for, for what it was, and it was one of those things where. We had this idea, and it was kind of like, yeah, we, we want to play in that sandbox. We want to do that thing, too. Uh, and, and there's a lot of containment horrors and thrillers coming out around that time. But mm. trouble is, and a lot of zombie films as well. And trouble is, we, we, I mean, I kept saying to Dan, who uh, who ultimately wrote Stalled, I kept saying to him, like, but there's so much zombie content around. It's just zombie, it, it, you know, are people not sick of it? By, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I keep watching it. But I just worried that, you know, that we'd have to have bad timing. By the time we came out with something, that the fatigue would be in full swing. But, um but it doesn't seem to be, does it? It seems to be, you know, obviously World War Z is doing great guns at the moment, so it seems that there's always going to be a thirst. 
But um, back in 2011, when you know when it's time to start, it's like, well, look, either you accept the fact that yeah, not everyone's going to dig your movie, and it's never going to be a right time. Just just get out there and do it, kind of thing. You know. Well, I think I mean, isn't isn't that the the, the basic advice to any filmmaker is if you yeah. think you're if you think you're making something that's going to hit a trend, then you'll be wrong. Yeah, I mean, we had the script and once the script together and we believed in that's kind of oh it doesn't matter that it's all the you know you know if people say if people because often we pitch it to friends and they'd say or filmmaker pals and they'd say oh but zombies have been done and you'd be like yeah I know but this is a really cool idea and I love the way you know there's something new and feels a little bit fresh about this so um that's what excited us and that's what and, that, and from a from a film fan point of view and I, I mean I'm a screenwriter myself but from yeah. a, from a film fan point of view the only judgment I make when I'm reviewing films is is it any good not. Not, yeah. what, not what's fashionable because been done, yeah. that would be insane, wouldn't it? To say, yeah. I'm I'm now tired of this genre or this subgenre of film. I yeah. won't like it. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah. Well, I thought, uh, yeah. Uh, <coughs> uh, if only there were more of you, my good man, uh, Stuart. If there were more reviews like you, that'd be great. But yeah, unfortunately, some people do tend to sort of say, "Oh, it's been like the found footage thing." Oh, it's been done. It's like, yeah, but don't dismiss it because it's found footage. You know, it could be something quite neat in it. There could be. There's always a chance to reinvent anything, isn't there? Certainly, and certainly at this Fright Fest, there is, um, there is a few decent uh, stabs at the fan footage film, which are yes. interesting rather than just simply giving you a headache. Yeah. Because I think that's what people mean when they say, when, when, say something like when they're, they're against fan footage films, is they, they've seen one or two where it literally is a, cam, a, a steady camera flowing around the screen, so you never actually see a frame. Yeah. It's not like watching a film, but obviously, once it's fun, three times... It's a bit tiresome, but zombie films, you've got, because zombie, I guess if you think about um, Night of the Living Dead, yeah, you know, that was a comment on the civil rights movement, and then it was a comment on consumerism with Dawn of the Dead, you know, yeah. zombie films just aren't zombie films, there's no such well, thing. No, exactly, and I think that's absolutely spot on, I think the, the, the minute you, uh, we try to avoid this crime at all costs, but I think the minute you make a zombie film about zombies, you're in trouble. You make your movie, you have, you, have, you know, you have your subtext and whatever, you, you make it about whatever you want to make it about, you have your message, but zombies are an encroaching force. So with ours, there's a, or like, I don't want to go into what ours is about, and I hopefully people will watch it and take away something from themselves. But mm. we definitely had like core issues and stuff we want to talk and deal with, with installed. But then also every, you know, every now and then the zombie element forces this situation more and more. So that was our thinking behind it. So what, what was the, you, know, you said you were talking back in 2011, that's when the script was finished? Yeah, so we... Uh, so what was, so did you two work together on the script, or did Dan come to you with a script? So what, uh, a lot of our, we had a, um, since we, our first feature film, Free Couch, came out back in 2006, we worked on together, uh, and in that time, um, I suppose, you know, when you're younger and you, uh, you sort of make films, it tends to, the lines tend to be a bit more blurred. Uh, as we grew within what we are doing, I... You know, it was me directing, Dan writing. Uh, and we developed many other projects, uh, a couple which got quite close. One got very, very close in 2008 to getting, to getting made. Then it sort of fell apart at the 11th hour. Um, and uh, not too long after that, Dan, a lot of the time, Dan would have an idea. We developed the script together, uh, but ultimately Dan would write it. But in this instance, with Stalled, I was kind of like moaning at Dan at one point saying, God, I really want to do something just, you know, contained, high concept, and we, and we could never really settle on anything. He kind of had an idea, and he went away uh, and said, I've, I've got something, but I'm just going to just gonna just get it out. I'm just going to run away, do it, and throw it your way. So, and that's what he did. And eventually, I got the, he didn't tell me anything about it. I got the script. And, um, so, you know, I, I think he could have knew that if it, was, if it had zombies in it, I'd kind of be like, wow, I don't know, I'm pretty questioning it too much. So he threw the script my way. 
and I loved it instantly. The minute I read a script, I can visualize, I can put it down, and I know this. I know it, you know, as a bit, as the as the whole thing. I can really sort of visualize the whole film instantly. Yeah, I know it's something I want to make. Um, and this was that case. This was definitely one of those cases whereby I knew I could see the whole thing. I knew what it needed to be, or I wanted it to be. Um, but then from that, so that was probably another, probably about another year of development or so, because we had a couple of producers interested, but they didn't kind of get the whole the the challenge aspect of it. The whole point that you know this is a uh, we're, the challenge is we're setting a movie in the toilet. We're, we're going to tell the audience here's a movie. It's going to be entirely set in a, in a toilet cubicle. We're going to entertain you for some hours, for for ninety minutes, um, and we're not going to break that rule. And um, a lot of producers would read and go, yeah, that's great, but can we cut to, you know, a party going on outside, or can we cut to this or cut to that? I'm like, no, no, you can't because if you if you try and you know if you're if you're teasing the audience with this concept, then suddenly you don't give them that. I mean, you're cheating them ultimately. So uh, we went around and we wrote the script many many other ways. We tried other stuff out, but eventually, when Richard Kerrigan, the uh, producer, got involved and he he came on board and, and sort of decided to front the film, he. Um, you know, he, he allowed us to be able to go back to our almost the original draft, the, the original draft that Dan had done. So we threw out the other eight or nine drafts that we'd been working on with, with different endings and different ideas, and, and we went back to almost the original draft. So um, I rambled. Where was I? God, I no, 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 it all made sense. You were right. That was a good story. Yeah. Don't worry. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So basically, in, in short, we kind of yeah came back to the beginning again. No, it's uh, clear. Don't worry, Chris. It's more important you talk on this podcast than I do if we're talking about your film. Oh, okay. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Them's the oh, basic well, ground rules. But from a, I'm guessing if you were saying, if, if, if out the fallout of a film that nearly was that didn't get to be made, you yeah. were saying, I want to do a kind of contained horror. Was that about the kind of potential for the practicalities of being able to make the film, as it were? And, yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, the, and the, a the sense film... of pragmatism to your filmmaking. Yeah, the, the film beforehand that we didn't get off the ground was a lot of exteriors. It was all most of it was out in a forest. Um, fun if it's set in the New Forest, um, and um, it was just very lots of location changes. And I think because we'd lived with that film for almost two years, and we'd gone through pre-production or pretty much pre-production on it, and the plug got pulled at the last minute. Bizarrely, it almost felt like we'd made that movie. So although it never, you know, we never shot a frame of it this script that we've got, I can always feel like, oh yeah, we did that, but we haven't, you know, but I think Stalled was a reaction to that film that never got made, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so yeah, no, no, no. makes perfect sense. Um, so why, why do you think, um, I mean, this is, this is a horror comedy, a horror comedy or a comedy yeah, horror? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horror, it's a comedy, it's a drama. It's a, yeah, it's a, you know, when you sort of start making a film, I, I sort of don't try and, um, sort of categorise it too much as it's got to be this or it's got to be that, you know. Um, I just sort of, you just sort of have a, a feeling, a vibe for the kind of tone it's got to be. Tone, I suppose tone's quite important for me and I try and nail down the tone of the film and, and uh, yeah, I try to keep it. I, I, I like, you know, gore, horror. I like the light relief within that as well. So, yeah, but I, I guess you class it as a horror comedy, yes. And why, why do you think uh, horror and comedy are such good bud... Good bud... bud. I'll put my teeth in. <laughs> Why do you think they're such good bedfellas? Uh, yeah, I don't, that's a, yeah, it's a good question, and it's so hard to answer. When we had our first feature, which was way more... It was basically a comedy set in a horror movie world. Okay. And back in 2004, we were schlepping that around Cannes. And I can remember going around the, Mar the Marche de Film, and, uh, you know, brilliant. So the first few days, we'd knock on, you know... 
uh, all the you know we'd knock on Warner Brothers door and 20th Century Fox and the Weinsteins you know we knock on all the all the big wigs at the Carlton all across the Palais but by you know the second week we were basically going around the Marche to film and trying to just get it out to anyone that would even you know listen to us but um, I remember one guy sort of bemoaning me saying why did I make you know why why comedy horror why not just straight horror like almost like how dare I waste his time with a comedy and a horror it's like oh I kind of thought you know comedy horror has always been you know Evil Dead it's, it's been big for years you know but, uh, and arguably, you know, even if you go back to your old Hammer Horror stuff, there's a heavy dose of comedy, in it, you know, like a, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge comedy and all those. But it, but it is, there's definitely, a, I mean, certainly, and certainly Zombie, for example, is, is, because um, we've had Wasting Away, we've had, yeah. um, was it Deadheads? I mean, they're all kind of, that was a stoner kind of zombie film. Stone, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, so there's, clearly the zombie, the zombie subgenre is, is ripe for, and obviously Shaun of the Dead. Sure, yeah, of course. How, how dare we forget that? And then I suppose you've got, uh, and then companies versus zombies is very light-hearted. Ah, isn't it, yes, well? yes, yes, yes. So there we go. There's a, the zombies quite resilient to this this uh, shake-up of the two. So, Chris, do you want to tell us a bit about playing with tone, sort of flicking between comedy and horror as a, as a director of a film? Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know as discussed, it's like how does you know why does comedy and horror work so well? And I think maybe it's it's more down to the filmmaker and as a as a filmmaker myself, and, and when Dan and I are kicking around ideas, or you know, uh, you know, we've got a concept for a scene, I think what attracts us is that sort of tonal journey of of, um, of scaring somebody one minute and then flipping them round to you know a, a laugh or a joke or you know or just a, maybe even a you know a, a slight bit of a, you know emotions something dramatic, and that's quite as a filmmaker that's a really uh, exciting prospect. And I know it's not uh, the, the very uh, uh, a lot of filmmakers don't like to commit to it, but filmmaking, in my opinion, is manipulation. You know that, and that's what I enjoy is the fact that you know seeing these people in a in a room together and taking them on this journey, manipulating them and and, and, and prodding and twisting their emotions if possible. You know, uh, that's the fun, that, and that, I think that appeals to the entertainment all of us. The fact that you can get up, you know, your film gets up on stage and it and it, and it sort of it moulds and shapes and changes people's mood. That's the excitement. So therefore, going back, I think that's why comedy and horror are, are a good mixture. I think well, there's a lot of that because uh, it, it attracts good filmmakers. Okay, so you've, we've, I think you're showing on the Saturday at one o'clock, isn't it? Stars yes. first showing. Saturday, uh, no, actually, Saturday, it was Saturday at one o'clock. Uh, it's moved to Saturday at 10.30 and okay. Monday at 6.40 or 6.30. Okay. And uh, are you coming? Are you be coming up for the showing? Yes, I will. Although it has sold out, so I think both shows have sold out now. So maybe I might have to. Um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm Q and Aing at both, and then I'll just give up my seat so uh, to get more people in there. Because the whole point of this and the great the fun of for myself and Dan and Richard is um, is getting the fright fest crowd to see it and getting their feedback because it's not really played to that many people. We made the movie late 2011. <clears throat> uh, it took a year in post because there's, there's about 110 effect shots in there. So it took, and, and they're all getting done for next to nothing. So it took a long time to get a free post. Um, and then we first showed it to cast and crew last November. Um, and then that's pretty much it. Beyond that, no one's really seen it. So now it's the first time it's playing to the crowd. So we're very, very excited about sort of, about the actual, you know, the, the fans themselves getting to see it. And, and you say that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming by the tone of your voice, that means you've been part of that crowd before. Yeah, although not Fright Fest, funnily enough. Um, I've, I've never, ever been to Fright Fest. I've wow. been to lots of festivals. But uh, Fright Fest always falls just after my, after my birthday. And my uh, my wife, bless her, every single year, 
there's always organised some sort of surprise or, oh, don't be doing that because I've organised this and that. And I'm like, oh, amazing. I guess I won't be going to Frightfest again. <laughs> so um, this year, <coughs> I've, uh, I've, I've said, whatever happens, we're going to Frightfest. But uh, as, it, as it turned out, as luck turned out, also this year my film was in Frightfest. So um, it was, uh, yeah, uh, a good double whammy. And, but just as a general point, why, why do you think, I mean, obviously, Frightfest is one of the world's biggest uh, genre festivals, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, what, 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 and, and, and it's British, which for Britflix is, is something to celebrate. Um, so, what, what, why do you think it's, um, what's so important about a festival like Frightfest to, to our, the horror filmmaking community? Well, um, I know going to other festivals and, and, and sort of travelling around, uh, change other people it seems to be fright fest specifically is the people like alan and paul and ian those guys um it's their reputations they kind of make it what it is um they always i think you genuinely believe i mean they are they clearly are but i think it's very uh apparent they're fans first and foremost um and they don't they don't seem to have sort of like they don't seem to be trying to appeal to a bigger audience it just grows <clears throat> naturally and i think um it doesn't feel like, do you know what, with Fright Fest, it never feels like there's a big sale. It never feels like it's getting pushed down your throat. It's sort of, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're here, we're doing this thing, and come along. And I think that's very appealing. Um, and that, for me, is the, the, the big appeal of Fright Fest, is that, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too forced. No, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's evolved with its own audience, really, and it's just yeah. found more and more people as it's gone, I guess. It's, yeah. like you say, its reputation now goes before it, but it, it built that reputation on the backs of the, the guys that put it together because they yeah and I always thought with other festivals you feel like it's a different audience each year but I always thought with Fright Fest it's the same people coming back again and again and again so I kind of feel like the people that you know the people that were there last year will see our movie this year they'll, they'll be there again next year and if we have a film out <clears throat> filming their festival in a couple of years time they'll be they'll be there again you know I always get that feeling with Fright Fest it's the same have you, have you, are you familiar with the Sleepy Queue Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, if you saw the front of the Sleepy Queue you'd see more or less the same people same, who've been there places, since yeah. the Sleeping Queue became a phenomenon, I think. Yeah. So, just for a bit of fun, to um, to close the podcast, <coughs> yes. and to get your, to get, let's get a recommendation from you, not necessarily from the festival, but what would, uh, what British horror film would you recommend to Britfrit listeners, and why? Has it got to be a upcoming British horror? Is it any? No, no, no. As in classic, classic British horror. Let's, you know, let's celebrate oh, British okay. cinema. So that's what yeah, we... Okay. <clears throat> Obscure the better from my point of view, because ch if the chances are I've not seen it, then that's one for me and one for the okay. Well, I don't know if this is how obscure this is, but one that always sticks with... And it's not that obscure, actually. And I think... <clears throat> excuse me. It's my cold still kicking in. My cold wants to make a cameo in this podcast. Um... Uh, I've always loved uh, Watching the Woods, which I, you know, and that feels to me a very British horror. It feels very, you know, it's a, it's got a real sort of Brit feel to it, um, and that just scared the crap out of me as a kid. And even watching it now, I'm always kind of just quite, you know, un unsettled by it. Um, what year is that from? Uh, watching the Woods must be eighty. That's a good question. Eighty. I'm gonna go eighty, eighty four, eighty five. 1980, if you can believe it. Really? 1980? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there you go. And the amazing thing about that one is it's a, um, it's a Disney film, wasn't it? it yes, was, yeah, uh, yeah, Disney, yeah. It wasn't yeah. meant, it was like, it was, I guess it was meant to scare people, but uh, I think you're not the first person to uh, to recommend that. <laughs> not not, not oh. in this series, but in other, yeah. other interviews in the past, it's one that obviously sticks with people. Yeah, I love that sort of creepy, <clears throat> that sort of, you know, when, um, where, when horror is sort of aimed at kids, it's obviously working with sort of very con 
<clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, come, come out. The power of Christ compels you. Get out. <laughs> um, yeah, when you're working the confines of a kid's film, um, I think, you know, th- those confines can make a really sort of... You know, there's certain stuff you can't show, so I think the, the confines will make, it, will make it fun and even creepier. You've, you've, you've got to be very careful and very uh, sort of very crafted, you know. Uh, and that's what I love about Watching the Woods. It's very, very um, genteel in its scares, if that makes sense. No, 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 that's a fine recommendation. Well, well, look, sir, I have plenty for the podcast from you there. Good, um, good. Oh, I suppose, I suppose. Actually, no. Thinking about it, is, do do you have any um, any projects in the pipeline you can talk about? Uh, yeah. As a result of Stall, there's quite a few um, bubbling, um, but like Stalled, they're all very um, they're very sort of like I suppose high concepts and and rip offable. So, but we've got a couple, um, and. No, I can't say anything. How annoying that's, is that? That's, no, that's fine. No, that's that's usually the case. That's why I was saying, yeah. is there any you can talk about? So if they're not in, if they're not in transit, as in they've got their funding attached, then you're about you're exactly. going to make yeah, no, it. They're, then... they're getting there. They're certainly getting there. But um, is it is it more horror, more horror comedy, or is it? Different? Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're ready to leave that that genre just yet. We, we okay. you know, people sort of say. I've been asked actually. I've been asked a few times on this circuit recently. Like, oh, so you're going to leave horror soon? It's kind of like, well, no. I don't. I don't think it's you know. I don't think it's like. Oh, I'll make a horror, then I'll get. It's just like I'll just make whatever I fancy making. If it happens to have an element of horror, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But no, we've got comedies, we've got horrors. But I just think we want to. We haven't sort of scratched that itch properly yet, so we're still quite happy to keep playing around with the with, within the horror world. I mean, we're never going to be, we're never going to be out and out horror, but we do enjoy, you know, with I suppose more your Joe Dante level of of horror, that kind of sort of gremlin yeah. uh, side of things. That that's that appeals. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, thank you very much for your time, Chris. Thank you, buddy. And thank good you. luck with the uh, with the premiere and the film at uh, Fight yes. Fest. Yes, well, I hope I'll see you there. No, I was going to say, yeah, so once once I, we can uh, put faces to names and voices, then uh, yeah. I'll be sure and uh, either you doorstep me or I'll doorstep you. And we'll, uh, yeah, all right, buddy, we'll catch up there and have a Take have a care, have a good time. Take care, shoot, take care, buddy. Bye-bye. See you soon. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.